0: rain yeah! and back in a place where I can glow yeah! so allow me to reintroduce myself <laughs> I am Trinity and I have arrived in impact World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. Welcome once again to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. This is your host, Mr. Green. How are you? And thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Probably more gentlemen than ladies, but you know, hey, you never know. Uh, we are on episode 33 of WOW Women of Wrestling. And this is titled... Sisters Collide. Now, some of you may be wondering where I'm getting these titles from. You know, I've said it in one podcast, but in case you missed it, you know, when they send the press releases for these um, press previews, I should say, uh, whatever episodes coming up that weekend, they title them like TV show episodes. So they, they have this as Sisters Collide. So, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see how that relates uh, to the title as we go into the show. Uh, we'll make a quick, quick plug before we uh, carry on. As you know, you have the opportunity to show your creative side. If you are so inclined, how can you do that? How can you show that? Hey, I have just as much booking sense. As anybody that's on the wild, wow, well, you can do that by going to Custom Vixens Wrestling.com. Custom Vixens You pick the women, you pick the matches, you are in charge. You get to go and you find them on their upcoming film days. Go through their roster. And by the way, as of this recording, the next filming date will be June 17th. June 17th, that will be the date and the released names. Available for you to pick from. Check out the lineup. Uh, now, they also do have a male there every once in a while. It, so do not be surprised by the names. Uh, but they have the Black Widow, Brianna Call, who you can see several matches of on this channel, by the way. Laura Lou, Cousin Condry, Mama Hannah, Peyton Storm, Drew Myers, Misty Day, Fantasy. And one Jessie Bell, who looks surprisingly like Jesse Jones. And of course, you know that we have several matches with Jessie Bell and her estranged sisters, who somehow have not been mentioned or you know brought. Well, I guess they're not related to Jesse Jones, but uh, Isabel and Maybell. Well, Maybell's dead. Sorry, I forgot. (laughs) There's a whole interview on on our channel that has talks about that. You have to look up uh, uh, the interview with Princess Leia. L- Lila. Good grief. I'm saying Star Wars characters. Now, I didn't mean Leia. <laughs> so, yeah, you just have to go and look through that. It's, good. it's a couple of years back, but uh, they had a little uh, family meeting, we'll call it. But anyhow, that, that's beside the point. Custom Vixens Wrestling Dot com, and you can email and reach out to them at customvixens at yahoo.com if you want to uh, show your stuff. And of course, as you know, generally speaking, there's always uh, Rock and Roll Rock She's there, she's running the show. One of the, the best wrestlers that the world has not seen, in my view. But uh, you can again go to the site, pick your match, pick your women, and you can book. And show just how good you are. You pick the women, you pick the matches, you are in charge. All right. That said, we go back to episode 33 Sisters Collide. Now, the big thing with this show was supposed to be, or is, the Four Corners match. So let's keep that in mind as we go through match after match after match. First thing that we get on the show is we get a recap of what took place uh the previous week. This is showing the 4 on 4 match that um with the Island Dynasty defeating the uh Fabulous 4. This is the first dent in the Fabulous four's armor. They really have not lost or had any big uh setbacks up until this point. So, um just Recapping in my words the the main event from the previous show I thought it was a very good match if you haven't seen it you should watch it It, it, I think it is worth your time it is short but it's it's very entertaining for the length of time that the match is I mean I I guess they had to try to squeeze it down for for television Uh, but it, it is worth your time if you get the chance if you haven't seen it you should go and check that out but what they do is they show, after the match, one of the Tongas, I do not know which, do not ask me. <laughs> I just now noticed that one of them wears, you know, a band on the bicep so I should probably endeavor to see which one's which, but as of right now, I can't tell the difference. Um, but one of them gets on the mic and they cut a promo about getting the belts back, and they had passion, or she had passion in her promo. Why don't we get more of this? She seems to do better in my view because I've, I've seen the backstage stuff. And I've seen, this is probably maybe the second time I've seen one of them on a microphone. It seems to me, or it feels like there's a comfort level for one of them as being on the mic and talking. Seems Seems very natural, comes off and, and very smooth and again. The passion that she was trying to relate was very easy to get across even if she I'm not saying that she did but even if she didn't say much if the passion kind of drove the words when I, I shot I mean they talk about this is in their blood she she knelt down so that the camera can see her directly so she can look like right into the the lens of the camera I don't know if she was told to do that, but if she but if she was not, good instincts on her. And good on her instincts that helped carry this aftermatch segment. And then they followed it when they they played the theme music, and you got the Tongas and Tiki doing like their victory dance while McCoy is in the in front of them. It's it was just a great visual. Great visual. Uh Makes me interested in the Island Dynasty to see where they're going. I hope this goes somewhere sensible, but yeah, it make, it makes me pretty interested in it. So anyway, um, we we move on from that and to the first match. <clears throat> Dave McClain, of course, talks about the matches that are upcoming. That's you know generally what they do in the first match in the lineup was Gigi Gianni. Taken on Jennifer Gen Z Flores And now in this match The partner of Gianni is nowhere to be found Now that's not necessarily a bad thing I mean, you know, that, that happens You Sometimes you get tag partners that go out for a singles match And their partner isn't allowed or isn't available Or just didn't go out So, you know, not, <coughs> not a uh, bad thing I also need to point out <laughs> And I'm not going to say that I had anything to see, anything to do with, you know, but, you know, one of my complaints was that they you wouldn't know who was on commentary if you didn't see the cameras turn to them at some point. When Gianni comes out for this match, they got this lower third graphic that pops up on the screen that's got uh, David McLean, Stephen Dickin, AJ Mendez. They they actually show their faces and they show their names. They finally did it. <laughs> and again, I I can't take any credit for that. I know I've complained about it publicly, but I can't take any credit for that. I'm just I am just happy. That they actually have done that Now It is a very subtle thing That David McClain's picture is larger than everybody else's In that graphic But <laughs> He's front and center baby Front and center I You know And, and I'm And this is nothing for against David You know uh, He does fine with what he's doing It's his show He knows what he wants And I'm sure he can relate that Very well uh, but I will stand on it As much as I stood on They need to actually tell people That AJ Mendez is there And let her face be seen And I guess this is a start Having the graphic in the lower third As much as I stood on that I will continue to stand on This needs to be a two person booth Doesn't need to be three people What does it need to be three people for Other than the fact that the WWE does it So everybody else has to do it Doesn't need to be three people Two people are fine Play by play in color That's it. You don't need a third-person there just to cog up the wheels, even if it is David McClain. You pay Dickie and you pay AJ. Get your money's worth out of them. Justify their salaries. Let them do the job. And I don't mean the job of laying down. I mean letting them do the job of calling the match and doing the call. So anyway, we'll get past that. We go to Gigi Gianni, lovely young lady. Apparently, her wrestling skill does not match the look. I don't uh, mean that in terms of that she's bad and botched up a whole bunch of things. I just mean it in in terms of her uh, record. Has a a very good presentation. I still prefer, and I know it's a lost cause now, I still prefer the idea of the team of Gianni and Gambino. That's not going to happen now since Gambino's no longer apparently with the company. Uh, But... As far as in ring work, Gianni and uh, 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 Rodriguez seem to do well together. I just wish they would win. But now, I I don't see that happening. They they've been kind of slow. I mean, maybe a couple of weeks from now because they they the wild seems to do that. They'll they'll let somebody lose over and over and over and over and over again, and then all of a sudden they'll be in a main event match or some nonsense like that. But anyhow. Uh, we, we've got Flores coming out to take on her opponent of the evening. Jennifer, I was about to repeat Jennifer Z Flores, but no, it's Jennifer Z Flores and Gigi Gianni. Uh, Gianni largely was in control of the match, and now we're not going to go through the The bulk of the play-by-play. I will say one other thing that I noted. I thought that the camera work was was nice here. Uh, I should say camera work slash editing. One of the the issues I had, especially early on, was that constant cut, 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 cut going from one angle to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Like somebody just had a seizure on the the cut button or something. Uh, This Editing or these editors or whoever's directing this, is it feels so much better to me. So much better. I can actually see, you know, the bulk of the action without it flipping off every time somebody throws a punch or a kick. So, um, the match, not bad. I did not see um, anything that I could complain about or, you know, (laughs) Something like that. I mean, I, oftentimes in some wild matches, you you get the obligatory screw up. But I I know that that happens in some cases out of bad communication and experience, you know. And I also take into account that the ring is smaller by and large to most rings that the workers on the independents are used to. I think it's one of the smaller rings that that are available just in wrestling in general. Now that that's not necessarily an excuse, because in most cases, when you get to a building, they they walk the ring so they can get the paces and, and kind of get the rhythm of running back and forth. But I'm just saying, you know, these are things that could have uh, affected matches, a variety of them in uh, in WoW's history uh, since <laughs> since the return of it for the fifth time. Uh Going towards the end of the match, we've got Gianni in control, as I, I don't think would be very surprising in most cases. Uh, she does, at one point, show a little bit of strength restraint, hoist uh, Flores up to her shoulders, and takes her down, and a nice... Uh, Kevin Nash used to do something similar to that. He, he would spin the body, pick somebody up, and, and spin them into like a sidewalk slam. This is where Jennifer... T- Damn it. That's <laughs> not Jennifer. Gigi Gianni. These G's and J's, man. Okay. It is what Gigi Gianni did. <laughs> she she hoisted Jennifer up on her shoulders in fireman's carry position and swung her around to a, a uh, side slam. That, plastic that put her down, didn't get the pin, but it did neutralize for a second. She got a, a chin lock on her. She being Gianni on Flores. Flores fight side of that. She gets the you know, the baby face fire. Uh, there was some good visuals by Gianni when she was taking the hit. I mean, she related what she was going through when she was taking those four, uh, forearm shots in the corner. She comes out of the corner, and Flores is able to come over to her in a what is that? I guess what we call a wheelbarrow, uh, What what was it? I don't even know if there's a name for it. She got in like wheelbarrow position around. I'm going to try to describe this as best I can. She, She charges in, turns around in motion, wrapping her legs around Gianni's waist. So she's now in wheelbarrow position on Gianni. She pushes herself up, comes back down, and one fluid motion goes through Gianni's legs and causes Gigi to... Smack her face, face first into the canvas. Nice move. Uh, did not score the win. So now you got, again, either the baby face. Flores is pretty much in control, showing the baby face five. Gianni breaks free of that. Flores gets out of her flurry and does, I, I, I really think she needs to get her another finish. It, it, it doesn't do it for me, but... What they have referred to, or, or what McLean has referred to as a the bicycle, uh, they they don't really have a name for it. I just call it a Ferris wheel slam. Uh, so she she hooks her head aside, side, turns her body, and and flips Gianni over. Boom, Ferris wheel slam. One, two, three. We are done, and then they move on. So it it wasn't anything, um, terrible. It but it was it was just a cold match. It it it, it was a match. Seems like this has been a running theme for the last couple of shows, but it was just a match just for the sake of having a match. And you have to have that sometimes. There's a little bit of fluff. You cannot get on WoW or any other promotion for that. They all have it. It's just how many of these are you going to have. WoW doesn't have the same luxury of having fluff matches as, say, an AEW or WWE because WWE's got three hours of show. They need the fluff. AEW has two hours of show, and I mean, really, if you include their week, they got like four or five hours of of show that have to be programmed. So, again, you got to kind of include the fluff. Here, you still need the fluff to just provide another match and give some of the girls in the back the ability to be on camera. They can't all be in an angle, but they can all get a match or match time. Uh, but what I don't want to see is the fluff to overcome the show where it's like three out of four matches because, again, you know, this show is fairly, it has a pretty standard template. I, I think that's safe to say now. We're, we're 33 weeks into this thing, and with the exception of one episode is four matches, every one every 15 minutes. And in between those 15 minutes, we got vignettes or video packages or whatever. But, uh, you know that that's that's the template that's the template that's what they stick to and so when you're looking at the show you pretty much know what you're dealing with and you basically know when the match is about to end or somebody's going to win it because of that is that a bad thing no not necessarily I will repeat this stance also I would hope every once in a while they would change it up Rather than just sticking to, all right, guys, we got to get our four matches in, and it's got to be, you know, less than 10 minutes per match just because, you know. It'd be nice just, just to break the monotony, just to throw fans off a little while. And, you know, and now that I say that, I I, I meant to say it at the beginning, but I got into my uh, promo and I wanted to keep going. <clears throat> I did want to go into uh, some, some notes about, uh the ratings and what they may mean to wow Um it, it's a hard puzzle to kind of crack with with their ratings and what it means for them but uh, we'll talk about that as I uh move forward so anyway the, the next thing is we got a video package setting up the four way main event my the, the note I put down here was why is this happening uh the commentators talk about the team trying to further you know the, the teams and they're on the mic trying to further the heavy metal sisters issues uh, they're talking about it in the sense that we've seen a bunch of arguments or what have you with the heavy metal sisters uh they did this a couple of weeks ago, it was like the commentators try to reconstruct the history of what you've seen, assuming that you either have a bad memory or you did not see it at all. If you didn't see it at all, there's no reason for you not to believe them. If you saw it, and you paid attention, then you could turn around and be like, "Well, look, that's not exactly what happened." When the commentator said it, say it, but I, I know they have a narrative to push, but at least try to get within, you know, what took place, opposed to, and they've been fighting for weeks. So, like, you know, really? Where have they been fighting for weeks? I haven't seen it. And I know they can always lean on the idea that, well, they were doing it at home or on the road or in the car, you know, on the plane. They can always lean on that. But by and large, if it doesn't take place on camera with the wrestling show, it didn't happen. For the most part. I mean, there's exceptions to that, but generally speaking, if we don't see it, it's hard to get invested in it. Uh, the other a note that I put on my paper was, why would either team agree to this? But then later on in the show, they did some segment to try to justify it, and we'll get to that um, later. So the next match is Exile with Ice Cold versus Candy Crush and Princess Ozzy. They have now tagged up and formed this bond to take on the evil that is Exile. The one check mark that I had when I saw this match is, thank God it has nothing to do with the Monsters of Darkness or the Sisters of Darkness or the Monsters of Madness or whatever the hell they want to call them and move Candy Crush away from this. And I hope she stays away cuz it, it it was such a poor poor anticlimactic into a non-stop feud that carried on way past its expiration date. And it seemed like they were going to go right back into it. It was like and and I got to hope I'm not talking it up. But yeah, just just um I was happy to see Candy Crush Involved in something else. Just move on. Um, the story being told here by the commentators is that Ozzy was motivated by her new friend, and uh, I guess to face her fears and whatnot. Because we saw Ozzy get in the ring with Chainsaw prior to this. I, uh, even though Ozzy was the one that was part of the group because she was brainwashed or whatever. So, uh, we we've got this, and. After seeing the match, I I immediately appreciated the match. I thought the match was fine in, in and of itself, but I immediately appreciated the match because it kind of followed an old wrestling logic in that your tag team wrestlers are good wrestlers but not necessarily strong singularly all the time. So when you have a singles competitor like, genesis and she's in there with candy crush as she was uh last week i think that was genesis might have been exodus uh when she's in a match with her and the match is competitive it works and it didn't hurt her to lose it it would have been great if she won but it didn't hurt her to lose it because she's you know she's a tag team wrestler and people assume that she's better in the in the team when she's presented that way now this match flips that concept because we had the singles match with uh crush and one of the members of exile uh let me take a quick flip through my notes here because I, I keep all this stuff right here on my desk, folks, so you know all right it was yeah it was Genesis, I was right, so Genesis. Against Candy Crush, she was able to be competitive. She lost, but there was nothing lost in her with that. The match being where it was, I think, helps keep Genesis in a stronger light because she was able to com- compete with one of their main event players. Now, again, uh, as I just said, the concept is flipped because you have Crush and you got Princess Ozzy stepping into their environment in a tag team war. And, well, let's just go to the end here because the, the match, fine match, fine. And I like that it has something attached to it. It's, it isn't just a cold match. It's, it's, they've already kind of kicked off their um, a rivalry between the two and they also did something useful with ice cold i mean you know i i I have been a little hard on her i will admit because she just seemed like she was just the lost puppy she just went to one team to the next or she didn't she didn't hang out with foxy fierce who was forced into that she went to a team with the uh, Samantha smart and her crew on her own but then got fed up with it apparently and now she's with exile for no uh, for no explained reason and she just she's just there but but this is the first time that I felt like she offered something to the team and I hope that she continues to do that um Exile continues to get better they need to wrestle more often they need to be you know in more tag matches but they they have gotten better. Uh, coming towards the end of the match, it was Princess Ozzy who was in the heat spot. She was caught up in there with exile and she and here's another thing it's, it's, you know i'm I'm gonna to continue to give the credit where credit is due. One of the things that I hate in tag team wrestling matches not and I, and I'm not talking about wow, I'm just talking about tag team matches just in general, is the double tag spot. You got the both members in the ring. They do something or other where both of them are down. Usually the baby face pops the heel, you know, for some reason, and they both go down, and they're both crawling to their corners, and they're both struggling, and they both reach out, and they both tag simultaneously. I, You know, it was fine the first time I saw it in my life, maybe the fourth or fifth or maybe even the tenth, but that became such a cliche and tag team wrestling, I was like, good Lord, man. Just it, What happened to just a normal tag? Here, they did it. And I shouldn't say normal tag. A tag where the babyface is struggling to get over there. Like, you know, the heels are doing a good job of cutting them off, cutting them off, cutting them off, over and over and over again. And, and they have to work and they have to struggle to make that tag. This is one of those those uh moments in a tag match. Ozzie was the one that was caught in the ring. And she was caught up by exile. They looked good collectively, and, and uh Genesis specifically, nothing against Exodus, but you know, Genesis I thought looked very good there. And they kept Ozzy in the rain that the Genesis did one spot where she took Ozzy by the hair walks her to the center of the ring, like she was gonna take her to across to her partner and just turns her right back around and goes to the ropes I mean it was it was a subtle it, was, it wasn't really subtle it was a small thing I should say but it was it, I thought it was amusing so you you got Ozzy in there and she's trying to do what she can to get away uh, she catches a leg of Genesis at one well point, gets shoved towards the opponent's corner stops us from getting hit by uh, Exodus. But then Ducks underneath a clothesline from Genesis and able to make the tag. And then now you got Candy Crush coming in to do the old good babyface cleanup spot. So it, it, this is a nice match. I mean, it is very, um, it's not fast paced. It's not bing, bing, bing. It's not all over the, it's, it's not the Midnight Express taking on the, the Southern boys or the Hardy boys taking on the uh, Edge and Christian or or Triple or X versus the America's Most Won. I'm thinking about all the tag teams that that had quick paces in their matches, you know, or the Bucks and the FTR. You know, whoever you want to put in as your team of, you know, fast paced, high energy action. It This isn't that, but it is a solid tag team match. And I thought, just between that, they they did well, and even even with this, they um they managed to get past the heat spot and turn it turn it back over with. the babyface was was bringing it back in. But even in the that portion of the match, Exile <clears throat> fought and fought valiantly for heels. Uh, wonderful spin heel kick performed by Genesis on on Crush. I think she. I don't know if she actually caught her on the mouth or not. I, I mean, I tried to go back and, and take a look at it a couple of times, but it, I mean, it was, it was a really, really good kick. I mean, I can't tell because they edited on the impact and I'm not going to get mad at the editing team on here because at least they don't do it with every little thing. But because they edited on the impact, that kick looks like it ain't no daylight between it. I mean, it looks like it caught her right on the on the cheek. It uh, looked great. <laughs> Whether it hit her or not, it looked great. So, we're getting towards the end of the match, and here's where Ice Cold starts proving her value in my eyes. <clears throat> she had been in, you know, she's in the corner of El- Exile, if I did not mention that before, because for, for whatever reason, Malayo is no longer there. They They never addressed it. The only thing that hurt this segment is that the camera wasn't on it. Ice cold walks around to the ring, or walks around to the opposite side of the ring, I should say. And candy crushes in the ring. She's getting jumped by exile. Ice cold goes over and grabs the leg of her partner, princess Ozzy, But we can't see that because again, the camera shot isn't on it. And these things happen. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been in production. I've, I've sat there, and I get it. If you, if you weren't told ahead of time that this is taking place, I've, those things happen. I had, you know, Russell's not necessarily mad at me, but like, oh, did you get the spot? Did you? Did you? I'm so like, you didn't tell me about the spot. And in an environment like a tag team match, where you got more people to try to get coverage for. It's easier to to miss that. Uh, the only thing that that would have made it somewhat easier if, if they pan the camera back to where they could have gotten the uh, the ring apron also. But I know what You know, I, I know what they were trying to do. They're trying to keep the camera where the action is. The action is in the center of the ring. And if they again, if they weren't aware that Ice Cold was going to go around there and do that, then why would they have pulled it back? But what happens here is Ice Cold goes over. She grabs the ankle Princess presses Ozzy, yanks her off of the apron. Again, we don't see all of that, but we see the end result. Ice Cold shoves Ozzy face first into the post on the outside. Now we got a handicap match, basically. Crush is in there on her own. Ice Cold comes back to the corner of the uh, team. Genesis steps in to distract the referee. Excuse me, Exodus steps in to strike the referee. Genesis shoves Ice Cold, I'm getting them all mixed up. Genesis shoves Candy Crush to the ropes. Ice Cold catches Candy Crush's arms, jumps down, pops her to where she falls right into the waiting arms of Genesis, and boom, one, two, three, Exile wins the match. Yes, they had to cheat to do it, but they're heels. They're supposed to cheat. You know, so so I mean, again, a couple of things here. I was happy to see Candy Crush in another program. The roll-up that Genesis did was so good. I mean, she she put all her body weight into that, thing. and the way that the camera had it, if you you could look at it and feel like yeah, she could have held her down there. It, oftentimes we see wrestlers in the ring and this is another spot that I'm not talking about while specifically. Oftentimes we see wrestlers in the ring, they do these roll-ups and they don't cinch it in tight to where you would believe that this person couldn't get out of it if they really tried. Here, it looks like she could try but she was going to have a hard time getting out of it. So, pleased with the match. I was absolutely pleased with it. And again, exiled. They went over. This this is an old thing. You're back in my environment now. You're on my turf. You're in the tag team match. So, yes, they won. Whereas before, two weeks ago, it was the reverse and Candy Crush won. So, now we're going to imagine that. We're going to what could be a blow off after these two teams have traded back and forth. I cannot believe it. While I was doing this. So, thumbs up for them. At the end of the match, as Exile leaves and they, you know, they're tossing up the signs for Exile as they walk out, a promo is cut. Uh, Basically saying that uh, they, I guess, are upset that Exile won and cheated. But you know what? We're going to get even. And this isn't verbatim. Uh, next week we're gonna uh, not next week. The next match we're gonna take take them on again in a three on three, and we'll come with our mystery partner. So that is what is set up now. We have a upcoming match with Candy Crush, Princess Ozzy, whomever their mystery partner will happen to be, against Exile, Genesis Exodus, and you know what, and Ice Cold. We'll just at this point. I guess she's just part of the team. I, I assume they haven't really related that, but you know, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll find out somewhere along the line. Who knows? Uh, the next segment explains again, what uh, was, was due to come in the um main event. I've, I, I just saw one of my notes. and <laughs> I uh, I put down Ice Cold does more than Mesmero <laughs> because she does. Mesmero doesn't do all that much as a manager. Oh, uh, yeah. That's another one I give a hard time to. I need to stop. We go to the next segment after the explanation segment. This is Siren of Voodoo Doll cutting a rhyme and promo on Foxy Fierce, I guess. <laughs> I honestly... It sounded good, and Nina always comes across as very convincing. But I will be honest with you to say this, that at a certain point in that promo with the rhymes and whatnot, I completely lost it. I I completely lost it. At some point, I was like, I, I'm not paying attention to anymore. So so if you want to know what she was talking about, you probably need to go to their YouTube channel and listen to it. I, that's why I have a question because I heard Foxy Fierce at the end. I was like, "All right, is she? Is this a promo? <laughs> is, is she talking about Foxy Fierce? Is she putting a curse on?" I don't know what's happening here, but that was. I'm going to put that on me rather than the show. So if you want to know what she said, you just go find the clip and listen to it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I... I even wrote it in the notes and highlighted it. I, I guess if she's talking about Foxy Fist. I'm really not sure. <laughs> um, next the note that I have here is the commentator is making something out of nothing, which is what I was saying earlier when they try to reconstruct their history or, or talk it up like these things have been so massive of uh, such a massive problem or something like that. Uh. Oh, yeah. I, I, they're talking about uh, Foxy Fears being injured by the the monsters. And they cut the video to where it looks like Foxy was down and she was just, you know, writhing in pain. And now if you saw the actual match, it was a down spot that isn't any different than any other down spot in the wrestling match. People get knocked down all the time and she just happened to get knocked down on the outside. They all have that. There was nothing any different than any other week of any other match. It's not like somebody took a chair and beat her half to death or wh- whipped her with a chain or choked her out or, you know, or, or even did a scenario that pretended to break her uh, ankle or leg or arm. None of those things happened. It was just, it was just a match and she got knocked down. And yeah, she was beat up on the outside, but they're all beat up on the outside. How was her beating any different? So, whereas I had a fine time with the first match, the second match, and and overall the show isn't bad. This this reconstructing the history that they continuously try to do is just is absurd. they should just go ahead and put the sign up there and say that we know that you forgot all of the stuff that we told you, or have a lower authority to say that we don't care what you think. Just listen to what we tell you. They because they don't you know, they stick with it vaguely, but then they just move on. Uh, so yeah, they're they're making something out of nothing to, to try to build some sort of intrigue with Foxy facing. Any member of the dark side, and I will say I find it very difficult to get invested in a Foxy Fierce match. Not that she's a bad wrestler or she presents bad or she's a bad person. None of, I'm sure none of those things are true. But what has Wild wow done for her? Why on earth would I invest time? She was in the main event on that episode that I hate. And, I, and that's part of the reason I hated it, because they have not ever presented her as some sort of player or main event, you know, wrestler in their universe. So you knew she wasn't going to win. I have a very difficult time feeling like she would win this one, too. Whatever it is that they're setting her for, I have a difficult time wrapping my mind around the idea that she is competitive enough to win. Because every time she gets in there, she has a match, she does well, she looks good. You know, she dances nice, very pretty, but usually she loses. I think she's got maybe one or two, you know. There are far more losses than there are wins. This is you know, and I know the WWE tried to convince their wrestling fans at one point in time that wins and losses don't matter. That is absolute BS. Wins and losses matter. And no, I, don't, I, I know they do that job, and they did it for a long time, and I'm sure they would use that against me if they ever spoke to me, but that is crap. Wins and losses matter. And don't let anybody tell you differently. <laughs> they can they can say that to themselves as much as they want to. Wins and losses matter. You want somebody to get over you need to see them beating somebody. If If wins and losses didn't matter, Roman Reigns would have lost a long time ago as it stands right now, was he like two years undefeated? <laughs> so no don't don't give me this nonsense that wins and losses don't matter it does. Uh, so we go off into our next match after the rhyming curse wielding uh, promo that siren the voodoo doll gave and we go to a tag team match followed by another tag team match. <laughs> We just left one. sir the Voodoo Doll and Holiday, the Monsters, or the Sisters of Darkness. Or they, they, they never gave them some sort of official name. So I just randomly make them up as I go to Evil, Evil Incorporated. Who knows? They, 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 do, they just need to give them something. And I also noticed that it seems as if the unit of the Monsters is not what it was. They haven't explained that either, but we really don't see Chainsaw and Dante hang out with them. Dante works as the manager for her on-screen sister, Chainsaw, but it doesn't really extend to managing Holiday and Siren. So I'm not sure what that is supposed to be. They, they've they never really said, hey, and they decide to strike on their own or Siren and Holiday decided to focus on being a, a tag team. You know, you know, nothing to really explain where she's gone. It's a, this is another one of these moments where I'm like, I honestly think Wild just hopes you forget. Like <laughs> they'll never remember that. Just move on. <laughs> I, I really feel like that's what they want out of people. Just I just forget about it. Never took never never happened. Didn't take place. Look at the red light. <laughs> you know? But they are taking on uh, Chantilla, Chella, and Keita Rush. This is where the dark side. You know, I put. Or, yeah, we'll refer to them as the dark side from here on out. This is where the dark side needs to be. When they took on the team of Chella and Foxy, which is the match that they were talking about that allegedly Foxy was brutalized in. When they took on that match, it started off of comedy because of the two dancing, you know, the dance duo of Chella and Fierce. Here, and, and they, they should have never let the dark side get involved in that. If they're going to be monsters, let them be monsters and don't impair that by doing silly stuff. Uh, here, they did not do that. They started off the way that I thought they should have. They just attacked them. The dark side kick-started the match and attacked both Keita Rush and Chela. They the, the attack didn't last long. The uh, babyfaces did manage to turn it around in relative short order. They were both put on the outside. Uh, Keita Rush was able to do a, a springboard crossbody and, and uh, take Siren down. She did a nice lockup on the holiday where she kind of like did a Jumped on the back, did a body scissors, and hooked both of her arms. <clears throat> body manipulation seems to be what Keita Rush has become good at. Very likely through her training in MMA, she is legitimately trained in MMA. She, I, I believe, she has an MMA gym. If I'm not uh, mistaken, I, that's part of her bully busters thing. She, I know, I've seen her have post pictures of her training kids. Uh, how to defend themselves and whatnot. So, <clears throat> all of that to say is that when you see her do these things, and and she's another one. Give give her a little credit. She's she's really really improved as time has moved on. Uh, but I think that her lockups and and the way she has manipulated joints on the show, all legitimate from you know from her MMA. Just, just a little side note there. So, um, we we forward this a bit. Uh, it's, I know I just said it, but I just looked down at my notes, and I have it highlighted here. Key to Rush continues to improve. I, I I I can't say that any any better. Um, I I still do not know or understand why the team, the Bully Busters, was broken up when Rush almost always wrestles in tag team matches. Is, I mean, she does singular stuff every once in a while, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's something backstage, and maybe I shouldn't ask. I mean, you know, it, it, it might just be they wanted time apart. I don't know. But she does well in, in these tag team things, and I. this is a case of it only helps her. In this particular match, Russia's in there with three other people that she can absolutely learn from. Chella works as Ray Lynn on the independence this is very good out there. Like I do not like Chantilla Chella, but I love Ray Lynn, if that makes sense. Uh, it, I know it sounds weird, but uh, yes, that's that's pretty much how I do I'm not a fond fan of Chantilla Chella, but I love Ray Lynn. Uh, very good at what she does. Nina Monet, also very good at what she does. Uh, Holiday, very good at what she does. The three of them are easily more experienced than Keita Rush, and I'm sure in various ways they have and can help her improve, just pacing and psychology and this, that, and the other. Uh, But as for the, 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 the match in and of itself, we have uh, Rush for the most part taking a, a great deal of the heat. She does manage to get across and get to Chantilla and that's part of not dislike her right there. Is the name and so hard to get out and just why are you named after a festival. But anyway, she does manage, she being Keita Rush, does manage to get over to her partner after, you know, fighting the odds. It was a, a, a springboard head scissors that she performed on Holiday that got her free and across to her partner to tag in and get Chella in there for the cleanup, which she does. She comes in and she does the old baby face spots. I mean, she she's small. She's a small and, and thin, young, lean young lady. But uh, she wrestles to her size. Like, she she doesn't come in like a world beater. She doesn't come in, you know, like the Road Warriors or the APA or, you know, something like that and just whooping an ass. She she does a lot of leverage stuff and gets, you know, gets the advantage that way. Uh, she tags back out to K- Keita Rush. Not sure why that happened, but she did. They perform some version of total elimination. Unfortunately, the camera does not catch all of that. Second time in the night that I'm aware of that the, the camera kind of screwed up what we should see. Uh, <clears throat> Rush is left in the ring, unfortunately, by herself. I mean, other partners got eliminated. Rush n- eliminates... Uh, Siren from the equation. Just after Siren eliminated Chella from the equation, but then that left Rush to turn into Holiday. when holiday catches her in that double arm facebuster, hooks her up, sets her high, brings her down hard, and that was it. Murder. She wrote. She got the fish, <laughs> She got the pin. You know, and uh, it was a it was a fine match. There's a loose knit story in this one at least. In that Chella was the partner that Fierce was with when she went down in their universe. Um it th- this is this was a good match. It reminded me of old Saturday morning wrestling, quite honestly. But the notes that I wanted to make sure that I got across goes specifically about Keita Rush. She needs to win. She doesn't have to beat everybody, but she needs to start winning. And this is a serious, I, I cannot imagine being the owner, producer, or promoter of a wrestling promotion. And me, having access to someone who has a story like, yeah, they they all got inspirational stories. But me having access to somebody who has Kita Rush's story, her name, she goes by the moniker, the Bully Buster. She has a gym (laughs) that she has. And I think what the Bully Buster Foundation is where she trains kids. This, I mean, yeah, this thing comes on at eleven o'clock at night. And that's the other thing. I don't know who Wow is aiming this this the audience for. Is it adult males? Is it kids? I don't know. But having that person on your roster is a easy road to an inspirational match. Couple of weeks of build up, to Rush fighting for whatever goal that is that she's trying to you know obtain to get her to where she can overcome the odds and be the inspiration for somebody out there, man, woman, or child. But you can't be an inspiration when you lose all the time. I know people are like, well, yeah, you can't. Not, not in TV, you can't. Not in wrestling. You can lose and be inspiring. You don't have to win to be inspiring. But you got to get to the point where that inspiration can be drawn. And she, they are not letting her get to that point. She's gotta get to whatever mountain that she that she has to try to climb. If it's my universe, the mountain should be something like a chainsaw. Since they are rehabilitating Chainsaw to be this monster. And she doesn't even have to win. But she's got if if Chainsaw is the ultimate match, she's gotta win heading towards Chainsaw. But Keita Rush is She's always on the losing end of the stick. I mean, the match was fun, and I thought she did a a great job. But she always drops the fall, almost always. I want to be able to get behind Keita Rush. I want to be able to root for her. I want to be able to see that Bully Buster story played out on screen. I want to see her be able to cut a promo and tell people I'm not going to, you, know, you don't give up, and I won't either. Yes, this woman has hurt me. Yes, Chancey, she choked me out on national television. I won the match, but she brutalized me. But you know what? I'm coming back again, and I will keep coming back. As long as you keep fighting, I'll fight with you. Done. I just wrote a promo for her right there. And come on, can you honestly tell me that she gets on a microphone and she gives that kind of speech and she actually starts winning a few matches here and there leading into her ultimate showdown that you can't back her up? Uh, We will move on. We go to a vignette in the next segment. Setting up a match that was already made. This is, while continuing to control their narrative and rewrite their, their past, that somehow, way, Reina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball are now officially a team and we're supposed to care about them like they've been friends. I don't know when this occurred. In fact, before the tag team match that they did have, they fought each other. They fought each other right outside of the building. So I don't know where this friendship developed from. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but we never saw that. It was never explained, and it was never explained that they say, "Yeah, you know, we're a team now" or whatever. It they just happened to have a, a match together. And while WoW has people pair up all the time, this is this is why I'm saying. Define it. We just left a tag team match that had Chantillo Chela and Keita Rush. They're not a tag team. But theoretically, in the wild WOW universe, they are. <laughs> and they should be best friends. Or, you know, and if they ever turned on each other, how could they do this? They're, you know, they're teammates. That's the kind of logic that's being spread here. It's like Raina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball, I can't believe they're gonna face each other. Why wouldn't you believe it? They tagged up one time. And before that, they were beating the crap out of each other. Why would this be hard to believe? So anyhow, this is a vignette that's taking place outside. And we got the heavy metal sisters who allegedly are, you know, in the midst of this uh, breakdown of communication and argument and whatnot and Mesborough. Clearly is no good friend of them because she ain't spoke a word or said anything like, hey, guys, can y'all settle this or something? I mean, I know she got the clown makeup on, but she doesn't have to play the mute, too. She can speak. She said something before. Is it that unimportant just to stand there and watch them yell? And what? I mean, you know, that's what they're trying to make it out to be. But is it that important just to watch them break down that she has to. Follow behind and not say a word and just fall in the line. Hey guys, just do what you're doing. I'm here. She's already been pulled from being a wrestler because she didn't wrestle at all. For for the three years that they tried to pass her off as a wrestler, that never took. And I'm sorry. I I don't mean to make that sound like I'm mad at her or something, but it, it just it it just never went anywhere. It was just a pointless act. That's, that's, that's all I'm you know, getting at. It's those things that, that get me with Wiles. Like, they could do some good stuff, and then they'll turn around, something like this will occur. Uh, so we're, we're, we're seeing the heavy metal sisters allegedly argue on the outside, and for whatever reason, all four of them just happen to be walking in the same empty parking lot at the same time. Like, there's nobody else out here. It's just us five. And then Raina Del Rey speaks up for whatever reason. I don't know why this would be a thing. Like, we're going to all settle this. You, 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 and me, You know, all four of us in a match, we're going to settle it like in the streets and, you know, whoever wins wins and that's that. So she just made that decision for them. But, again, I was like, what, why would you even agree to that? What do I have to, and you know, and I'm asking this seriously, in a kayfabe universe, what would you have to gain by accepting this match? The heavy metal sisters, theoretically, are already at each other's throats. Theoretically, I don't see them at each other's throats, but they're arguing and the the narrative that they're trying to paint is that there's friction. So why am I going to exacerbate that for nothing? It's not a championship on the line. Shouldn't be any money on the line. Not when she's, you know, Randall Del Rey isn't a matchmaker. This is a match that probably would have taken place regardless of whether, whether they were going to be there or not. They're not. What I'm saying is they weren't going to gain anything extra. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, hey, I'm going to put $5,000 on the line sitting at that table waiting for whoever wins this and that's that. Or the crown of the queen of the streets, or whatever. I mean, you know, it just, I just, I don't know why this is happening because you could just have Wrecking Ball and Randy Ray settle their problems on their own. Look, if we got an issue, we can fight between the two of us. Same thing with the heavy metal As a matter of fact, they're friends, they ain't even got to fight in the ring. They could be at home. I know that wouldn't make sense in any wrestling show, I'm just saying. But, I mean, the same rules apply. They could fight in the ring. It didn't have to be in a four-corners match. Why are we combining our issues is what I am getting at. For what reason do we have to combine this beyond the fact that we had a tag team match a while ago? There's no no real reason for this. But it's happening anyway, so it is a four-corners match. No submission, no DQ, no rules. Now, that was said in the vignette by Raina Delray, And again, she ain't the matchmaker. There's no consistency. Jesse Jones comes out. And that seems like Jesse Jones is the only one that Dave McClain give crap to. But Jesse Jones come out there and say, hey, I'm wrestling. And he immediately said that. No, you're not. You got a bad leg. I'm changing the match right now. It's no longer a tag match. It's a single match. Jesse, sit on the side. He said <laughs> stop that cold Here, perfectly fine. Hey, we're gonna have a four corners match, no, no rules, no DQ, no nothing. And yep, okay, good. Just, just do it. <laughs> and say so when I think about that, I say can't be concerned about health. <laughs> if you was concerned about health, why would you sign a four corners, no DQ, no rules match? Jesse Jones just don't get no love off of David McLean. That's all that is. <laughs> and and again, no consistency in who can make what and why. It should, in theory, it should be David McLean. He's the guy and he's the matchmaker. And he and I, I know I tell him I say that he shouldn't be in the commentating booth, but he should be the on-screen matchmaker. He should be. The, everybody knows he's he's the guy behind it. It's not a secret. So he should be the on-screen matchmaker. He should be the guy that's in the office saying, hey, you're going to have the match. Or, no, I'm not going to allow that because of this X, Y, and Z or whatever. He doesn't need to be the commentator. Take the role as the the matchmaker, as the GM. Uh, But this match, getting back to the match, is almost like a glorified tag team match for the most part. They start off with Heavy Metal Sisters both attacking Wrecking Ball and uh, Reina Del Rey. Now, the team of Wrecking Ball and Reina Del Rey is WoW's incarnation of what Heidi Howitzer and Max D. Impaler are on the independent circuit, the wasteland. Reina Del Rey playing the part of Max D. Impaler. So, you, you got them and, you know, th- this... Uh, is basically supposed to be like ah, the road words and the powers of pain or, you know, something like that. The toughest and the roughest that this promotion has to offer. And we're going to let them all go and fight each other to the bitter end, except they didn't fight each other to the bitter end, at least at the beginning. Like I said, it was a glorified tag team match. They just took turns beating on the same two people. They being Wrecking Ball and Reina, Reina Del Rey. They didn't really, you know, go against each other all that much initially. And neither did the Heavy Metal Sisters. The match eventually breaks down, and we got, you know, the separation of of talents of the roster. We got Fury and Wrecking Ball in the ring, and on the outside, Raina Del Rey and uh, Razor. Uh, Mesmera is nowhere to be found. And this, I, you know, I, I, I thought I remembered her being there, but actually my note says she wasn't. Well, at least not in his portion. So they continuously badger each other back and forth. Now, the spot that they were, I guess we are getting to, is the breakdown of teams, the first thing that they did that I guess shows some sort of miscommunication is that Razor mistakenly saved her tag team partner, Fury. Backing away from her opponent, she tripped over the pin that was happening with uh, Wrecking Ball and Fury behind her. So that was kind of the first subtle thing that they were doing. And... Uh, it it still stayed basically a tag team match. It, it, it was like a no whole a no rules tag team match. They just all stayed in the ring, just fighting with each other. But it wasn't a you know it wasn't a lot of I'll beat on anybody that walks in front of me. It wasn't a lot of that. It, it wasn't that every person for a self mentality through the most part of this. So I. I I go back to saying I don't understand the point of the match. The match was fine. I just don't understand the point of it. At one point in the match, you have all three, well, I shouldn't say all. You have three of the four competitors down because Razor was on the outside and the three in the ring essentially knocked themselves silly. Wrecking Ball, Fury, and Delray. Razor comes in and leaps across all three because conveniently all three bodies are laying shoulder to shoulder. She tries to get the pin and nope, all three kick her off, which is to be expected. Uh, The match moves on. Everybody migrates to the outside somehow. They all just decide to do it. (laughs) <laughs> like, once the kickoff happened, everybody just decided to roll outside the, outside the ring. You know, I don't know why. I guess great minds think alike, I, I, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, Del Rey pushes uh, Razor back in the ring, and on the opposite side, Wrecking Ball pushes um, Razor back in the ring, or Fury, whichever one. I forgot. Uh and just because they happen to be in the ring at the same time, it's like, oh, no, we're not going to fight each other. And then they just suddenly start fighting each other. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you have to see that. They, they, you know, it's like they were trying to trick the other one. And so they have this little exchange between the two. Fury gets the better of the exchange and drops Razor on her head. But before she does it, she looks at us like, oh, my gosh, I just, I just knocked out my best friend. And it played well because they had, this is a good edit job. It played well because they had the camera on Fury's face. You could see the sale of, I'm sorry that I did that. I shouldn't have done it. And then out of nowhere, Wrecking Ball Blaster with a clothesline. But because it was on that shot, it would catch you off guard. So, I mean, I thought that was that was a well-done portion. Razor tossed uh, Wrecking Ball back out, and then they have not another fu- another fury between the two, but Razor knocks her out with a like a short-arm clothesline. She, too, has a moment where she's like, ah, should I? And then she's like, ah, well. And so she goes for it. She looking to get the win. Wrecking Ball and Del Rey roll into the ring, and they stop it. They all go back out to the floor again. Fury gets a good suplex on wrecking ball on the outside, shocking the fans in the front row. Now, you know there you know, no chairs or tables or none of that stuff. I guess they didn't want to plunder on the outside. Razor and Fury then have the barrage of elbows and fists and and whatever and then it was like they just beat all the hate out of each other they they just suddenly start laughing and like oh it was, that was good and then they hug each other and it's done and and the first thing i thought is like okay seriously this thing that you have been trying to get over that barely got over to begin with The idea that they're in some sort of like, "Ah, I hate you or that in some sort of disagreement, the idea that that was taking place. And now because they had this beaten up exchange between the two, we're done. Friends again. It's all good. Water under the bridge. Like I said, you know, that probably would have meant more to me if they actually had more time on screen illustrating the fact that they were mad at each other. But I other than a few comments by the commentators and maybe some verbal exchange between the two of them, I defy anybody to find something that showed them as being in some sort of argument. I mean, the arguments weren't even weren't even volatile. I've had more volatile arguments, shouting matches with friends than they had. How could that not have been shot? This this promotion loves doing stuff backstage. They love it. You know they want to just be a regular TV show rather than a wrestling show. They love doing stuff backstage. Why would that not be one of the things that you shoot? If you're trying to tell this story, them backstage in a full-on shouting match, they didn't have to go in shove shoving and, and whatnot. You do little things to show that they're just sick of each other, tired of hanging out with you. And the match looked disinterested in them getting beaten up. I mean, it could just be subtle stuff. That, but they had little to no build to this, this one match devalued what was a good episode because when you look at the logic of it, it just doesn't make any sense. It just it just doesn't, or at least the payoff isn't there. The match is fine, but the payoff for whatever the heavy metals and and what why is this being paid off? in this four corners match. Shouldn't the match have just been, been two of them? I mean, I guess that, that's a, uh, the opinion of the booker. I shouldn't say that it should have been. I, I should rephrase that and say could have been. But at the end of the day, this did not illustrate whatever issues. We didn't see why it started. At what point did they just begin to wear thin on each other's nerves? We didn't really see a build in them not getting along. They pretty much hung out with each other right up into this show. We saw, I mean, uh, allegedly the, the vignette that was shown that, that booked the match had taken place prior to. But, we're going to count it for now because it's on this episode. So right up until this show, you are seeing the heavy metal sisters. Yeah, they're having words, but they're not they're not angry, they're not it is it's none of that. It's just it's just two friends having a a, a debate. And maybe they raised their voice a little bit, but that's all that was, is just two friends having a debate. Two sisters having a debate. There was, there was nothing in this that would make me believe that they had some level of friction that they needed to settle it violently or through fisticuffs or whatever. There, there was nothing in that that made me, so what? They got into a, a brief argument about who they thought was going to be the better singles champion. So What? I would get into that same argument with somebody over a video game. Yeah, I can play this better than you. Get People do that. Why would that make me turn around and then punch my friend in the face because I think I'm better at Street Fighter than him? Why would these two get all bent out of shape because the other one thinks that I think I'm a better champion than you? These things happen in life. If they wanted to get this to where we as the viewer believed that the heavy metal sisters had legit heat with each other or we're getting close to legit heat that's the least you could have done the least they could have done was have a shouting match go into this room we're going to put the camera on you and i need you to yell at each other at the top of your goddamn lungs about who lost the match easy And speaking of who lost the match, getting back into the ring, Reyna Del Rey, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. Reyna Del Rey (laughs) takes Razor in the ring with her, gets her in her suspended um, uh, neckbreaker, plops her on her head, one, two, three, and we are done. Reina Del Rey stands tall as the winner. Of the match. And. What was this for? I I come back to that. What was this for? Fine match. But what was it for? What were the issues that Randall Ray and Ball even had to begin with? That they felt like they needed to be in the match. And would this have concluded that for her? I mean, it's not like she beat up on Wrecking Ball throughout this match. This almost served no purpose. This would have been better if they had no storyline going into it whatsoever. The storyline hurt this match. Just having them in the ring and say, hey, all right, we got have four corners match and it's just random. You know, that probably would have been better than had it because it did, there is no payoff here. There's no payoff for the heavy metal sisters other than some random three second hug and a smile that they did on the outside. Which, again, what is that supposed to mean? I don't know. Are they done? Were they just being crazy? Who knows? Because it is not explained. Reina Del Rey and Reggae Ball barely had interaction with each other in this match. Most of this match consisted of being a glorified tag match with an interaction between partners. Peppered in between here and there. That was about it. It didn't do anything. Didn't forward anything, didn't solve anything, didn't blow anything off. This didn't this was just the heavy metal sisters spinning their wheels. They needed something to do on TV, and this is just them spinning their wheels. Ran of their race, spinning their wheels. She was in the in the uh championship mix as the main event person i don't know why she just suddenly left because the bees got injured that shouldn't have stopped her quest to be the champion but she did so spinning her wheels wrecking ball she didn't have an angle at all just here just because she was randomly placed in a match as a tag partner to somebody that she fought previously So, therefore, they must be friends, and we should care that they're now arguing. Again, spinning their wheels. Nothing here. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So, this would have been uh, an overall good show had not been for that main event. The main event, again, because of the uh, angle – Slash storyline leading into it, it, it it took it down for me. It took it down for me because I I, I got nothing for it. I, I watch Rust and see what the payoff is going to be and where the angles are going and if it is going to have some sort of connective tissue that makes sense. And of course, the quality you know whether a good match. Who doesn't enjoy a good match? That's why we watch wrestling. They had a good match. The angle there just took away from it 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 was another case of the anti-climactic climax same thing I said with Candy Crush there was little to no payoff there and there's little to no payoff here side notes um I was asked about a couple of things with WoW recently that I had to Check back into notes from other interviews to kind of decipher and find. One, somebody asked me about how, what kind of money do they make? Now, I said then, and I'm just going to repeat to the listening audience. I don't know. I do not know what kind of money they make overall. I, um... Uh, in the interview with April Littlejohn, who some of you would know as Riot, if you were long-time WoW fans, or if you saw it at the time, she was probably the most in-depth interview I had with anybody that had worked with WoW at any given point. I'm sure that some of the, the finances and how they operate and everything has changed because she was in the WoW in 2000, and you know it's now 2023. As I'm recording this. So, I, I I have to expect that some of the things that she talked about have been modified since then. But one thing I think that is still the same as it relates to the page she told me on that interview that no one there that was on that roster did not have a secondary income of some sort. Everyone there had to work someplace else because Wow was not, Placing them financially in a position where they can do wow and that's it. Uh, Even though, you know, even now when you have people like, hey, I'm only going to work for wow. uh, That I've heard two or three times from a couple of people there, but even, even then they still had some sort of secondary gig. And so I looked into it, uh, and what I saw or found, as far as payment is concerned, that it pays anywhere between 300 to $600 per event, which isn't bad money. You know, and I'm pretty sure they, they fork out the money for the plane tickets and the hotels and stuff. So I, I would imagine, you, you know, you're getting that, you're getting food, you're, you're getting paid, food, lodging, travel. So, I mean, I, I can, that's a pretty nice deal. The thing that keeps them from getting uh, is the thing that keeps them from having their roster work for them and them only. I mean, and I don't mean just as a wrestling pro. I mean, like like real real world work, real world work. I'm going to try to get that out and say it right. Uh, <clears throat> is that they don't do it enough. Yeah, they get paid that per event, but the events only come around every three months or so. So even if they did like three days in a row, and they paid them, you know, for each day, and let's you know, I guess you could take the high end of that. You could say what's that about eighteen hundred that you could get paid on the top end. That would that would really help your month if you got another, you know job that gives you full-time money but it's not enough for you to quit so you know that if that answers somebody's i I know i answered him when i was talking to him but for those that might have might have thought the same thing i hope that answers it you know that's the reason i shared it because i was like somebody out there is probably asking the same question like you know i wonder how much they get paid (laughs) because you know and, and this is a different guy than somebody than the dudes that i work with and the one that i work with he just assumed that they, you know, had a uh, lower pay scale than WWE. I was like, well, yeah, that's an easy assumption to make <laughs> because it's WWE. They, they're the highest paying entity in in the wrestling sphere. I mean, more or less. But he, but he also didn't know that they were as uh, in the in the pay bracket that they are. But anyway, the the rest of that conversation led towards um, talking about what they do in ratings. Now, this is me talking to a friend of mine who is in television. So, you know, keep that in mind. That's the entire reason that this came up. So, what I was leaning towards when I started talking about it, I say it's it's a difficult puzzle to kind of decipher, is that, there's no way around the concept that WoW's ratings are not excessively high. The puzzle piece here is, does it have to be? That's the question. Why does it seem to do a lot to try to draw in more viewers. In fact, I would say, given the rating that I read, and I'll give that in a second, uh, it seems that they basically have the WoW audience already watching it. The people that are going to watch WoW are watching WoW currently. That's what it seems like. But WoW hasn't reached a new audience and created growth off of it. Uh, To give this a comparative note because I know know, not everybody out there knows rating numbers and so I barely know it. I had to write it down so I could be able to translate this out. But uh, just to give you an idea of what syndication numbers can look like and what they do. As of this month, May 2023, the top syndicated shows are Jeopardy at 5.3, Wheel of Fortune at 4.9, Family Feud at 4.6. Those are the top syndicated shows uh, in their genre. They're usually separated by genre. Um, Daytime TV, the top shows were live with Kelly and Ryan. Which I know Kelly and Ryan is pretty much over now because and we're talking about the death syndicated. That's that was one point six. Dr. Phil, one point three. Drew, 0.4. Now it's important to note that 0.4 is a high number. That's that's you know, that's still like a million people. Or, or, I believe over a million people. So, you know, don't look at the point decimal as the low. So now we're going over to a comparative note with um, wrestling. The average rating that is listed for while, or at least the ratings that I have, these are the ones for episode 29 and 30. The rating was 0.05 for episode 29. Uh, and again, this is not point 5 this is 0.05 what that equates to is about 287,000 viewers on the average uh the following week had per, was it, it had an uptick of, but um it was basically the same thing i uh, well, I should say it was uh, it ticked down it was a uh, 0.04 for the next, the following week, which is, again, is hovering around that quarter million mark. And the first thing that, you know, my friend was saying is like that number can be achieved in a single city. Not nationwide. Sound, the number sounds high and, you know, until you spread it out over the country. When you look at it like that, it's, it dwindles quite a bit. You take a quarter of a million and spread that out over, let's just say, forty states. Well, I shouldn't. Yeah, let's say forty. We'll, we'll we'll just in, or or the, include the uh, mainland. This is what I was getting. I was tripping over my words there, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna test this thing. We're gonna say a quarter of a million people. All right. In fact, I put the number that they have, 287. 287,000 viewers. And we'll divide that by 48. That's basically like 5,000 people per city. Again, this comes down to what is good for them. On the surface of that, that number comes off low. But the comparative information to that is that Impact Wrestling is basically the same number. Their rating, in fact, one of their ratings is, low, is far lower than that. And I love Impact Wrestling. Their rating with, uh, at the same time was... 0.02. That's less than a quarter of a million. It's like 100,000. Or a little over 100,000. The only saving grace that Impact Wrestling has that WOW does not is that WOW is available in more homes because of the syndication. You can get WOW whether you pay for a TV or not. All you need is a digital antenna. It is available as long as you have a television. That is the difference. Impact Wrestling, you have to have cable for that. You you have to have at least access TV. You gotta have it if you're gonna watch it through those means and appease those rating numbers. And so you know that dwindles their access to ratings numbers down immediately because of the accessibility of the product. Wow's product on paper, you know, God, I'd, I'd have to see, but you know, when you're talking syndication and I've seen the stations that they are across the country and what those stations by and large have the potential viewership of opposed to access TV, which is a singular nationwide broadcast through cable but you, again, you have to not only have cable, but you got to have that cable package. And your cable provider has to provide that network. So there's a couple of things that may work against you when there because Access TV isn't, isn't necessarily widely accessible. So it, it, it's, it's a case of, you know, what is it for them? You know, it's... When we were sitting at the table and we were having this conversation, and he said that, and, and, and I thought about, it, man, you're right. That number over across the people in the in the country doesn't come out high. But my following question is, does it have to come out high? You know, it's only going to make a difference if their ratings continue to drop, and then the advertisers look at that and say I don't want my stuff on this anymore or whatever. If, if the Ravens tank and then they have to face the wrath of Paramount and Vi- Viacom then yeah but at this stage I don't know if that would happen. Would they be cancelled because of this? I mean <laughs> they've not had the best of luck as far as television concerned concerned since 2013 to present but they are here now and Viacom and Paramount seem very supportive of them and they have done everything that they can to push this product. Will it be enough? And is this rating what they require? It, it is a difficult puzzle. I, my mind would tell me that again, on the surface of it, yes, it is a low rating rating. And it probably would hurt them. That is what I feel like on the surface. of That outside of that, are they making people look at this like, "Hey, well, we're on at eleven here and three a.m. there, and this, that. you know, are our advertisers or Viacom Paramount taking that into account?" That this is a syndicated show that is all over the place, and I know that for a fact. I've <laughs> I've seen it. You know, I've. I've been into the room where they've aired these things simultaneously, and I saw it airing at 3 a.m. in Pittsburgh, but 11 o'clock in in Atlanta at 1 in Philadelphia, or, you know, it's it's just, you know, you have all of that. So in any case, uh, I will leave on the note of I will assume that while, regardless of the rating that they've gotten a is getting the audience that they are looking to get, which is probably why that they don't do anything to to, to uh, extend that audience or try to grow it. Uh, maybe it's, maybe they're just fine with it. Like these these are our fans, or so that's the ones we stick with, uh, and we don't need any new ones. I, I guess I don't know. And that the rating for them Might not be the end all be all As to their existence Time will tell In any case Folks that will do it It will bring the end to another show Another review And we will get ourselves prepared and set For next week's episode And hopefully it will have some uh, Good stuff in it you know, WoW has had its improvements And I am not shy about saying that I, You know, you've heard me ca- carry on about the production I think the production is, has changed largely uh, There are some more people getting, you know Getting a little bit more shine on But, you know, they still got some things that I feel they have to do uh, To improve overall So, that said I think I said that already But anyway, <laughs> that said we're going to close this up and get ready to uh, check it out for the, the following week. Please come back if you haven't. If you're new to this, please subscribe also. And if you listen to this in audio format, you know please follow uh, the show on the format of your choice. And now we can do the sign off. This is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.